Street House Podcast, where we gather at the table to hear each other's stories. I'm your host, Angie Smith, and I am so glad that you're here. Please pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the Retreat House Table. I am very excited to have my friend Tanya Larson with me here today. I know Tanya. We met when we worked together at our church in the church office. Hashtag stuff I heard in the church office. It was always very fun. And yeah, we ended up sitting next to each other and just kind of, it's one of those people that you click with. And we just clicked and have become good friends. And I got to know her after she had experienced grief and so kind of saw the after of her walking through that. And then uh, she's an artist. I always called her an artist. She was always uncomfortable with that, but I called her that anyway because she is and um, got into art journaling. And so I invited Tanya to come on the show today to share a little bit more about her grief story and how she came to find art journaling. So welcome to the show, Tanya. Hi, nice to be here today. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you want to tell us about yourself to introduce yourself? Your mom and a wife. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Except that everybody at church kept telling me how I had to find you. Have you met Angie? Oh, you would just love Angie. Funny. All the time. All the time. (laughs) And then we ended up working together in the office and I was like, yeah, they were all right. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. They were totally onto something. <laughs> I remember hearing your name because of the people that you're friends with mm-hmm. from from college. Mm-hmm. So I would always hear, always hear your name. Yeah, those are fun times. Where would you like to begin with telling your grief story? Where, where do you think would be a good spot to begin? I mean, a little bit of the back story without going into too much cancery detail is like he developed a tumor or a blood clot in his leg which led Mm -hmm. him to go to the doctor which led him to discover he had a tumor in his chest which led us to discover that he had a tumor in his brain so it was lung cancer and um but it had spread so his brain before he discovered it pretty quickly yeah wow yeah and that's the thing about it i think is that it just was really fast so he found out that he was sick in, I want to say, October or early November, and he passed away the next summer. Wow. So it was just really fast. So it was just a huge learning curve of just hospital-y stuff and mm-hmm. sickness stuff and and all of the weirdness that comes with a parent getting sick. Right. You know? Um, so Becoming the caretaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of that. A lot of that and figuring out, too, like, how do you – is that right? Was it only less than a year? I think that's right. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. So isn't that amazing when you think back? Because when you're in the midst of it, you don't know when the end right. is going to be. Yeah. And it and it feels like forever. I mean, it feels like every day is a year oh, yeah. almost. Yeah. That. But then when you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, that was such a short. Yeah. Blip that totally changes. Your whole life. Yeah, totally changes. Yeah, and and even in the midst of it, it, you know, there's people who have to carry on under those circumstances for year after year after year. And all of the questions and all of the trying this treatment and trying that and what's going to help and all of those things. And, oh, bless them, that is a long, 
hard journey to, mm-hmm. to be on. So ours didn't end up being that long. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of it is the just getting used to the idea of your dad being sick, and they had just retired not mm. not that long before. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, we're in the golden years. We're supposed to be able to have all these adventures. And right. they bought a place in Costa Rica that they were going to, like, do a bed and breakfast in. And, like, all of these oh, dreams, wow. you know, that they had initiated or, and were supposed to be able to live out. And all of a sudden to find those just blowing up in your face. That was hard. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you talked about, when I've heard you talk about art journaling before, how you found art journaling, it was that after your dad died and your world kind of explodes that all those usual ways of being with God communing with God talking with God weren't weren't working anymore is that right yeah and I would say that it actually started probably before then I've been a writer for a long time and that's always been my primary Uh, medium is writing Mm -hmm. and my primary way of I mean I've always been a journaler you know Mm -hmm. I have multiple journals prayer journals you know all Mm -hmm. documentation I mean all those kinds of things since elementary school you know so it's always been the way I have processed life in general and specifically my spiritual life too and it felt really kind of icky to so sorry I had started a blog mm-hmm. and was writing there pretty consistently and then all of this started happening and it felt really icky to write about because it wasn't it was my story but it wasn't my story mm. it was his his story his journey of through this mm-hmm. you know and it so it felt like airing somebody else's laundry mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that didn't feel very good so I didn't feel like I could do my normal routine or process. Mm -hmm. But also I was really, 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 really a lot, a lot, lot, really Mm -hmm. mad. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Other forms of prayer was really not working for me. And are being able to articulate all of the, the multifaceted pieces of grief in that, Mm -hmm. So much anger. I was surprised by how mad. Well, and I think, too, a lot of times people think, what do I do with this anger? Like, Mm -hmm. that I can't, you can't bring it to God because that's not respectful and whatever. So sometimes there's there's that. Or, I mean, even if you're mad at somebody, like a person, sometimes you just don't want to be around them. Uh You just don't want to talk to them (laughs) or be around them. Mm -hmm. Like, you want to fester and be mad or you're too mad even be with them Mm -hmm. yeah that definitely relates to God as well Mm -hmm. right exactly (laughs) yeah so what I discovered was so I was in this online writing group and Mm -hmm. they were encouraging us like just for maybe a month to try a different not genre but I guess just try a different medium so if Mm -hmm. you usually paint try writing if you usually write try this and Art journaling came, my first, very first exposure came that way. And that was kind of a little bit leading up to my dad's getting sick. Okay. It was something I had kind of discovered 
and put my toe into. Mm-hmm. But then when all this other stuff started happening, then it became like a, I have to get, I need more paint. I got to have more paint. <laughs> I got to have a lot more colors, a lot more color, a lot more paper. Like all the, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. It was so cathartic because I didn't have to be able to articulate things. I didn't have to be able to put words to emotions mm-hmm. or theology or prayers. I could just squirt paint on the page and splatter and shred and whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever needed to happen and let that speak for me. And that was pretty groundbreaking for me. So I had already felt like. I was more open, I guess, to the more um, contemplative side of Christianity mm-hmm. and spiritual formation, as, mm-hmm, and and just was willing to acknowledge and sit with mystery and not having to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. This was a real natural dovetail thing that would dovetail with that because I it wasn't something that had a script or that I would, needed to do or go to mass three times a month or, you know, something like that. It was very, very different than anything I had ever experienced. So it really was, really was a great way of me not completely abandoning ship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it did, it really did allow me not to just run and let all that anger and grief and sorrow turn inward or, or have, negative outward expression, although I'm right. sure it, I'm sure it did. <laughs> but, Which but. I totally get. When I shared my story after my mom died, I remember thinking and saying to God, um, I'm not sure this is what I signed up for. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure that I can do this anymore. Yeah. I'm not sure what I think of this. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I get that. Well, and I think that there's the uh, added component um, that is really messed up theology that I didn't realize I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My dad is a pa- was a pastor. Okay. And my dad had sacrificed a lot for the church and had always, I mean, that had always come first mm-hmm. in his, his relationship with God and serving the church. Lovingly, joyfully mm-hmm. had always, always come first. And to feel like God did not reward that. Like, this is payment for that? Yeah, like, oh, thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You can't throw me a bone here. I was, like, I, I I know how messed up that theology, like health and wealth and right. prosperity gospel. I, I would never say that I adhere to those things. Mm-hmm. I would reject those. Except <laughs> when, when my dad got sick and suddenly I was like, are you kidding me? After a lifetime a lifetime of this and you can't do one of your fancy miracles in this circumstance. Right. That is bogus. Like what are you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I think too, that that then really revealed some stuff to me about just how that other, those other mentalities has seeped in mm-hmm. to my own view mm-hmm. and, and that dying is human. It's just, what, yeah. it's what we do one way or another. And I resent that and rage against it, but it is something, it's just something that everyone will face. Right. And people, I didn't realize people always talked about this until like 
got to this point, but mm-hmm. they talk about it's a club that nobody wants to join, but everybody has to. Like, right, yeah. Eventually, and we're supposed to lose our parents. Yeah. I mean, because it feels totally against nature for a parent to have to lose a child. So that means then, like, we have to lose our parents. It's the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and to feel like I might have been fine, like, because my grandpa had died a couple of years before that, and that was okay. Like, it wasn't great, not happy, but Mm-mm. but also he he had lived a full life. He had, you know, his wife had passed, my grandma had passed, and he was kind of on his own, and he wasn't in great health, and he was ready, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a whole different thing, and not that that's easy. That's not easy. No. But there's a whole different thing, even of being more prepared, like that this is within the realm of possibility when somebody gets past 85 Right. 90, you start mm-hmm. to think, okay, well, this is something that is maybe not imminent, but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Imminent, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when you're 67, that is too, it feels wrong. Well, and on the cusp of new adventures and on yeah. the cusp of, on the cusp of more life, it right. felt like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and my dad was really cheesy. Just he really was, <laughs> he was kind of kind of a cornball, and so you know he wouldn't he rejected the term retirement, and he would mm. say, "No, I'm not retiring. I'm pro tiring." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> just dad joke." Hashtag just, dad joke. Oh, the groaner, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it was his whole his whole mentality was this is just the next new chapter mm-hmm. of a whole bunch of great new things to come, and for that to just get kind of pulled out from under him felt felt like a betrayal Mm. that's that's kind of what I came to realize was it really felt like a betrayal like I gave so many things like speaking from my dad's perspective not my dad's my perspective on my dad's life right (laughs) because he wouldn't have said that at all but you know I gave all these years to you and the least god that you could do is you know let me have a bed and breakfast and Costa Rica, Rica. dang it, (laughs) because it's really warm and nice down there. (laughs) How did your dad, whether his diagnosis and his sickness? Very privately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. None of us. So I'm the oldest of four four kids, Mm -hmm. and he did not verbalize that with us at all. Okay. So it was very, very private, very optimistic, almost to a fault. Mm -hmm. I understand that desire to protect protect your kids from whatever Mm -hmm. and also having your own grief process around it for yourself right and that they don't need to be a part of that and maybe you don't have the emotional capacity capacity to Mm -hmm. to baby along for adult children you know like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not your job (laughs) but uh so that was very private and and really I think so optimistic that when things weren't going well anymore, when there wasn't the possibility of better things mm-hmm. or when things were getting worse and we didn't know it and it came out in weird ways, okay. um, then it caught us more by surprise. So there's uh, one story comes to mind and that was my, I took my dad to chemo in, I don't know, Rochester or someplace like that. And we were going to just stop and get a little something uh, on the way back. Mm-hmm. So we stopped at this cute little town and we went into this little bakery and I was going to have him just sit down and I was going to go 
get a goodie. And I had to help him find his chair. And I was like, mm. what is it? What? Is it okay. And like, I had to help him sit down. And I had no idea up to that point, like that this was so, that he was so weakened, mm. that this was such a grueling process of chemo and radiation and all that stuff mm-hmm. of what that really was doing to him. Mm-hmm. And I, we, bless him, we had parked the car around the corner and there was like a little decline, like a small little hill around the corner from this bakery. little bakery. And so I like had to ask the ladies at the bakery, can you just watch him? I can't have him walk up the hill. Like mm-hmm. it's like a tiny hill, but it was enough that, that I felt like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Right. Um, so it was one of those moments when you're like having that aha realization mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. whoa, we are way further down this road than I ever knew we were. Mm-hmm. And and feeling like, you know, what would it have done for me to know that in advance? Not probably a whole lot, except that there is strength in sharing right. that with the mm-hmm. people that you love. And it does help to have others help carry that burden but i think he, i think he just didn't want to didn't didn't want to burden us with that or mm-hmm. maybe he was so cuz he was a real peppy optimistic fella so mm-hmm. maybe maybe he there was just his own process glasses maybe yeah maybe. that's how my mom was really? even when her cancer was i thought it was cured but it was just at bay because the kind of cancer she had couldn't be cured, which I didn't realize mm. until it came back. And I was like, did you not know? Did, did you not hear that? Uh. And I think it was really like kind of rose tinted glasses mm-hmm. and, and maybe not wanting to know. Right. Like if I don't know, then it won't happen. Right. It was kind of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The minute you acknowledge it, it's just going to come for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's And really... so it was hard. Like, the, we, so there are four of us, too. Sometimes each of us would have a piece of information. And then when we would talk, we were like, whoa. Oh, boy. There's this whole picture that we didn't know oh. was happening. Yeah. Ooh. Which is tough. Yeah. But that's tough when you, it's hard to see your parents, especially, I think, your father, mm. so weakened. Like, who's been this pillar mm-hmm. and this rock of the family? Mm-hmm. And then to see them mm-hmm. in need, in need like that. Yeah. Not be able to walk up a little hill next to a bakery. Right. I mean, and he, the thing about it is, and it's such a analogy for what else was going on, is he probably never would have asked for me to bring the car around. Or he never would have asked mm. for us to not walk. Could we park someplace else? He never would have asked. He would have just done what just one foot in front of the other, you know, because mm-hmm. that's just what you do, I guess. Yeah. And it's so tricky, too, for for me because I haven't gone through a diagnosis like that. I've never walked that road. Mm-hmm. So I cannot possibly comprehend what was going on for him. Right. You know, no idea. And especially, I just wonder how much he knew and how much denial there was or how much um, just he, that was between him and God. Mm-hmm. He did go to Costa Rica and walk the beaches and between diagnosis and mm-hmm. and he went sometimes by himself. My mom didn't always go with him and he but he had like had this driving urgency like I have to go and we were like 
thanks, Dad. That's great. Thank you for just leaving. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a great idea. And P.S. You're we're up all up here. Like, what about well, us? You yeah. Know? Well, and what if something happens when you're down there? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But um, I think I really think that during those times, that was when he did his own grappling mm-hmm. with God and having having some pretty candid discussions with God about about things. And maybe that then is what equipped him to be better able to handle what was handle what was in. coming and and be able to just do whatever he needed to do, even in relation to us, to mm-hmm. to feel like he didn't want us to need to help him with that. I don't I can't I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. ever know. <laughs> I think too that the the other piece of this that is difficult is all the rest of your life does not stop. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like you still have to go grocery shopping oh and laundry and yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you got to go does why is the sun still coming up? This right. is ridiculous. <laughs> And and just that universal feeling of like, oh, oh, I can't control any of this and I can't control time. This is just going to keep on going. Mm-hmm. So my youngest was in kindergarten mm-hmm. and all those and she's again youngest. And so like all of those special kindergarten things that they always do and all of those. Um, and because it was my our baby, you know, right. it's the last time you're ever going to get to do them. And wanting to be present and wanting to um, really soak those in and just being totally ill-equipped mm-hmm. to be just having nothing to be able to contribute to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was hard. And I don't like feeling bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> really really a lot don't like yeah. feeling bad mm-hmm. and and because i don't and because that's not oh that, so enneagram seven yeah right? yeah <laughs> oh yes run from pain run 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 right as fast as you can as your little legs will take you that was very interesting to discover in the midst of that but also like i don't know man how much do you tell your kindergarten kids mm. teacher about why you dropped the ball again like mm-hmm. do you really bring them into all of your drama like well maybe like yeah <laughs> you know and and i mean and dropping the ball i did you know like forgetting stuff and not being able to make things happen and mm-hmm. um just kind of discovering the limits of your capacity and Having to just accept them, right? right. <laughs> Being totally unable to to do anything to alter that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like being able to do things mm-hmm. for my kids by myself, and having to ask for help is so hard. <laughs> it's such a pride thing. And yeah. oh, I totally yeah, um, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So that was difficult, and the seventh thing, which I didn't really fully understand until a little bit later, but the Enneagram Seven. I am all about having fun. I can't believe, actually, now that I've become aware of it, I can't believe how many times fun, the word fun, comes mm-hmm. out of my face. Like, mm-hmm. it is. Or that is the reason for doing something. Heck yeah. Yeah. It'll be so fun. Oh, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this was anything but fun. And it was really difficult 
And I mean, a good, good, I don't know, use that word. In the like greater definition of the word good. Yeah. Yeah. But a good learning thing that came out of it, I guess, is being more aware of being able to handle it, Mm -hmm. being able to stay and sit even when you want to run screaming away. Right. Like, or you want to go to Costa Rica and hide out. Like, Mm -hmm. treehouse would be great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, any of those things, just learning the discipline to stay and be present, even with your, just with yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's very hard. And our journaling did help me do some of that, like to be able, instead of running, to be able to go down to my laundry room area, like, (laughs) like the furnace is down there, the well (laughs) pump, it's not fancy, but, but there's a counter down there and enough light and (laughs) enough light. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it covered, and I mean, that's where everything kind of goes. And that's where just a lot of processing really happened. And what's interesting is when I look back at those journals now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that the art is fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. and it didn't, that's not what mattered. That's not the piece about art journaling, even f- from that point forward. The end result isn't really what matters at all. It's the process. Mm-hmm. It's the process of allowing yourself to think the things that you think you're not supposed to be allowed to think. Mm-hmm. So being able to let yourself acknowledge the things you're thinking instead of just shutting the door on that mm-hmm. and not allowing those thoughts to come into your mind, but just like, sitting with them as uncomfortable and even heretical as they may feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a huge milestone I guess just a an additional layer of candor with God mm. which I didn't really think that I had been like faking God out on things <laughs> I thought I had been pretty pretty honest mm-hmm. about you know questions I had or confusion or issues or whatever all the, all through my life mm-hmm. but this was like a whole different level of it was a whole new level of pain yeah deeper level of pain yeah yeah I the art journaling workshop that I went to that you did I remember thinking it was almost like the art what you were doing with your hands was a distraction to let your mind kind of wonder to go to the places that I work really hard to not go during my day or during my life like the hard things or the really painful things and I'm working on this and then all of a sudden these things come up and oh oh my goodness like you sneaked out yeah <laughs> well who let you out of the bag right. I didn't I didn't say yes to that yeah it is it definitely is like that and what's interesting too is that when you when you do say an art journaling workshop mm-hmm. and you do it with people who know you what's really interesting is that you're just working away on this page and maybe mm-hmm. taking cues from me, maybe not at all. It's just, I'm just there to help out. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on how you want to do it, because it really is up to you. If you want to go to those places mm-hmm. that are more difficult, you can. If you don't, and that's not what you're about today in this moment, mm-hmm. that's okay too. Like there's no wrong way of doing it. That's the beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are engaging some of those more difficult areas of your life if you are have the courage to share that page i am stunned by how many times 
people who know you can pull out things from that page about you mm. and say, I really see this reflected, this aspect of you reflected in this this little portion of what you put down on there. Mm. Or I see that being symbolic for this this piece of your story. Mm-hmm. It's really, uh, it's amazing. And it's really a, between friends, it's such a sweet moment mm-hmm. to feel known and mm-hmm. feel connected mm-hmm. and and seen really, you yeah. know, it's really, sh- it's quite shocking. <laughs> <laughs> and the cool thing when I have done our journaling workshops is that I am like, just, that's not me, man. That yeah, is like the, you're spectating. I'm such a spectator. I'm just, I just put the stuff out, man. And if you want to <laughs> have a little nudge or a little something to try direction. or a direction, or even just to say like, cause so many people are so worried. And I think this is so true of, such a big portion of our lives. They're so worried about doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Doing it wrong is such a concern or messing it up. Like maybe you started with something, but if you do anything else, it's going to screw the whole thing up. Mm -hmm. And just the, that I can be an encouragement to say, no, it's great. You're doing great. Mm -hmm. Even if it looks like a big mud pile when you get done, it is still great because it's the process of doing it mm-hmm. and that that is so reflective of bigger things in our lives besides just a art journal page, you know, like, right. no, it, there is beauty in that. And, and you don't have to expect perfection from yourself and it does, you can't, how are you going to learn anything new, man? If you expect to be a master at it the first time out of the gate, like that's not realistic you Mm -hmm. wouldn't expect that from someone else but we do that so much to ourselves and our journaling is a really good way of helping release us from that um because it's an unpredictable Mm -hmm. process yeah you just really don't know what what's (laughs) gonna happen oh boy i didn't see that coming you know (laughs) so acknowledging that people grieve differently Mm -hmm. and there are different kinds of loss, people loss, job loss, oh, yeah. relationship loss. Mm-hmm. You know, what advice would you give to, or offer to somebody who's facing grief right now? Mm. What I found helped me mm-hmm. was to kind of treat myself like a little baby bird and like, what's going to help you feel better? And, mm. and what healthy things can you help yourself with? If it, even if it doesn't make sense or if it's only it's something for you, if it's something you need to do, that you should do that. And I would say there's lots of unhealthy ways of grieving. Mm-hmm. And even the most healthy people probably do some unhealthy grieving too. Mm-hmm. And that it's unpredictable. So I had a scarf. <laughs> I had a scarf that I really liked. It was really soft. And it had these pretty little pictures on it. I really liked it. And when I was feeling especially tender, Mm -hmm. I would just wrap myself up with that. And it was almost like putting on really soft armor for the day, Mm. just something that would help me, you know, do what needed to be done, but that I could also be being kind and sweet to myself, which Mm -hmm. sounds kind of funny, but I think we're so, so often we think you ought to just, you know, buck up and tough it out and just get the thing done and whatever. Mm-hmm. And and there just, I think, needs to be so much more gentleness 
around us during that time. And that time can be so long. Mm -hmm. It can. (laughs) I mean, I've heard someone say once that work will give you a week. You know, your job will give you a week to get over it. And someone else will give you two weeks and like the people in your life will give you a month or two. But then after that, you're supposed to basically like kind of be past it. Yeah. Be done. Yeah. Well, and in like older, old society, didn't they like expect people to wear black for like a year? Mm-hmm. But then you like turn the corner on a year and then, oh, You've now you purple can wear and whatever. Then, yeah. Yeah. And, and that that was, well, there's a process, a process but there was a t- expected time. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, the thing that I think is healthy about that was to acknowledge it like that you were externally acknowledging an internal loss process Mm -hmm. and and that that i think so much we don't do that we don't acknowledge it we don't even want to talk about like Mm -hmm. i don't difficult to want to talk about right because you are worried about saying the wrong thing to someone Mm -hmm. you're worried about bringing up something if they're doing fine and then you bring it up and there goes the rest of their day or they cry, like or they, they become cry emotional, and, and that's awkward and uncomfortable. And then what do you do? Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. There's so much fear about that, and I think that just being willing to just ask and check in, mm-hmm. and even if the person can't actually form words on the phone with you, mm-hmm. <laughs> just being willing to sit with them. Oh my gosh, it's such a gift. Mm-hmm. And they'll get off the phone when they need to. Mm-hmm. But sometimes just knowing, it's almost like holding hands through the phone. Mm. It's like just knowing that you care and knowing and hearing you say, I'm so sorry. Well, and that you're seen yeah. and that you're not forgotten. Right. And the person, if it was a person that you lost, is not right forgotten. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what they meant to you is not diminished mm-hmm. by their absence. Right. The grace that that gives to somebody to that says, you don't you don't have to be okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And to not have it all together. Oh yeah. And it's awkward. I mean, as the person grieving, when you were talking about your daughter being in school. Yeah. So my mom died at the beginning of August, and Ben went back to pre or Charlie went back to preschool mm. in September. And we went back and everyone's like, oh, it's back to school. It's back to school. It's so exciting. And yeah. how was your summer? Oh, there. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, do um, you really want to yeah. know? Well, yeah. I'm sorry that you asked that question because my mom here died. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. I know. And then that's the all like, that's just, it's just awkward. But, you know, I wanted to be honest. But then some of those moms got together and put together like a little gift bag for me. Oh. And so even though it was hard and it was awkward, it was uncomfortable to open myself like that, but then they took that and then ministered to me mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. And I think that not being isolated in your grief mm-hmm. is so good. Even I mean, I think again, it's that same idea of us shouldering each other's burdens. And like, I can't do anything to fix this, but I can walk through it with you. Mm-hmm. You're not doing this alone. Well, it's like the club. <laughs> it's the stinky, stupid club. <laughs> yeah. And even if I'm not, I'll be, I'll become an honorary member so that you don't have to be in it by yourself. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's mm-hmm. huge. That is huge. And I, and you know, and like li- those little, like a little gift basket mm-hmm. that people would put together. They know that's not fixing stuff. They know that. It doesn't matter. It's, it's the, they care. Right. <laughs> they care to do they see. They see mm-hmm. you. They know what a loss this is, and they want 
to just say you're not alone. Right. And that, I think that factor is huge. Because mm-hmm. when you can't sleep in the middle of the night and you can't think about anything else, mm-hmm. it feels really alone. It does. It does. Yeah. And so any of those little gestures or reminders or people who send you something six months out yes. or a year out. Yes. I don't care. Text anything, anything at all. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> even just a, hey, I feel like the anniversary of this is coming up for you. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, that is so. I had a friend that would text me. She died August 5th, the 5th of the next few months. Oh, yeah. She would send a text. I know it's the 5th. I know this must be hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's somebody who gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. I just still remember when we were working together Mm -hmm. and it was the first funeral, but I didn't know. It was the first funeral that was happening since I had been working there and I didn't know it was happening. And I remember being completely caught off guard, totally caught off guard and caught off guard also by the intensity of my response. Mm -hmm. Like, I froze, I froze, froze, froze in the hallway and was like really immobilized. Like I could hardly speak. I could not run. Mm-hmm. All I wanted to do was run. Right. But I remember someone coming to me who was like, what the heck is going on? And I was just able to just say to her what was going on. And she had loss in her life. Mm-hmm. And she knew what that, what was happening. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay. Let's get you out of here. You know, just go like and she helped me go. Mm -hmm. And honestly, after I exited the building, (laughs) it was hiding in my car. I mean, I was okay. It was fine. It was not like a diagnosable panic attack or anything like that at all. But it was just that moment of, holy cow, I was not prepared. Right. For this. And I think those are the tough. I mean, I've said this a thousand times. Those are the hardest ones. Oh, man. Like. Even the ho- like the first holidays are hard, but you get your you're like you're ready, like you're all steeled up for it. It's out there, you know it's coming, right? Yeah, but it's that unexpected smelling oh, them, yeah. or seeing something they liked in a store, yeah. or someone that sort of looks like like there have oh been women gosh. I've seen that sort of look like my mom. Yeah, yeah, that'll make you do a double take, mm-hmm. and then yeah. send you for the Kleenex box because right. that's intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and seeing somebody that looks like them and almost calling out. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the thing too, that's a piece of this is that my dad loved God. Like mm. he really loved Jesus. And so even when there is definitely the temptation to be just super done wrestling, because wrestling's tiring, man. Mm-hmm. Makes you want to nap. Mm-hmm. You know, so when there is that, that piece that just says, ah, just forget it. It was so integral to who he was and always remained, never faltered that, that he had his faith and knew what was coming and wasn't afraid. Mm. He was never afraid. So that almost feels like not a way of honoring him, Mm. but a way of joining with him to wrestle through it and not pitch it. Mm-hmm. So even when faith and issues of faith get difficult or mucky, uh, I feel like even just staying in the ring mm-hmm. instead of cashing, you know, cashing out, mm-hmm. um, 
feels like another way of connecting with him. Because we used to love to talk about theology and he was always my go-to guy, you know, when you wanted to argue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you wanted to argue about scripture or church tradition or different Mm -hmm. views or positions that whatever denomination had that day, um, you know, he'd be the person I would talk to about it. So now with all the things that you feel like politically where you have questions about what monkeys run in the circus and, you know, some of those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. rather than just saying, well, just forget it, it feels like a point of connection still with him to be willing to stay in it, Mm -hmm. even when it really is tiring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's all that that conflict and even just internally. Which has also honestly been a huge piece of our journaling stuff, too, is just when stuff happens, whether that's in the church or in society or in our my family or whatever, that that gives me a place where I can process that still. Mm-hmm. And there's not, it doesn't have to be good or bad. It can just be a, almost like a snapshot of this is what's cooking in here today and (laughs) you know so that is just merely reflecting of that moment so that's been an added I guess gift of our journaling is just giving me a place to do that well and one thing that I've been thinking about doing and I'm trying to put together now is teaming I guess teaming might be the right word things that I've written whether that's on my website or whether that's just for myself Mm-hmm. or reflections or whatever, and teaming that, pairing that with um, our journal pieces mm-hmm. and, like, putting that together as its own thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what it I don't know what like it will be. Like, here are the words, and here's the art journal for this process. Yeah, yeah, and almost just making it into, a, again, a snapshot of the process of grieving mm-hmm. and what maybe what was happening in real life <laughs> mm-hmm. in that moment and then what came out on the page and so you can it's almost like filling in backstory mm-hmm. for an, an art piece so I'm kind of working on putting that together that would be very cool well it could be or it could be just really sucky because you know <laughs> well thinking so about the grief. way that different people grieve and <laughs> different people process yeah that um, because oh, and I, I want to say too that I, I didn't realize that your dad was your go-to person for mm. wrestling with things so then to lose him which then makes you want to wrestle and you don't have your person that you wrestle with (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's super significant that you're that's a super significant loss and that you're staying in the ring and still wrestling I think is amazing and I just want to I just want to say that (laughs) and I think the putting your art journaling pieces and your writing pieces together might be a way for someone who can't put the words Mm. that I mean, art impacts people in a different way on a different emotional level mm-hmm. than writing it does. does. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then to pair the two and, you know, to maybe see an art piece and say, oh, my gosh, I feel that way. Mm. Oh, here are some words that might express what I'm feeling that I'm feeling, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. So that might be super ministering to people or helpful and helping them put words to what they're processing. Well, it could. And and what I found when I was, you know, soon after my dad passed away was I was just, help, 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 help. <laughs> like, somebody help because this feels 
bad. I must be doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. I've got to be doing this wrong. I actually went to a counselor not even, probably not even a month after he had passed away and was convinced that I must be, just my mentality must be off because this should not be this horrendous. Like mm-hmm. there's got to be some kind of self-talky something I can do to make this be better. And mm-hmm. I mean, the, this the, is not fun. This is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Lady, honestly, she, she was as gracious as possible, but she kind of looked at me like I was a little bit nuts and like, Oh honey, no, this is, this is what you're in for. <laughs> I was like, I kind of hate you a little. Like, <laughs> what am I coming here for? You know, and and just having having that realization that no, this is what it is. Like mm-hmm. this, you're you're not doing it wrong. This is just how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And so the thought would be that for others who would be just looking for anything to to relate to, or somebody else who has been in the depths of this. Whole mm-hmm. and feel like you can't ever come out. I want to know somebody else has done this before because I have never done this and I'm sure I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be maybe a little, yeah, like a piece of what could, what good could come out right. of doing something, a project like that. But yeah, I'll make sure that I have all your, your blog and Instagram and all the places where, because you've been showing a lot of your art journaling mm-hmm. lately on Instagram, which has been very fun. And make sure that your blog is there, too, so if people want to follow you, they can do that. Yeah, and I'm trying to get back into doing some more workshops. I'm feeling better equipped (laughs) to be able to do that without, you know, breaking down crying in those Mm -hmm. because, you know, that makes for awkward conversation. (laughs) Yeah, just that, you know, my my bloggy website is a place where people can find, find me and then we can talk about setting something up. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your grief story and art journaling and all the things. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Retreat House podcast. Any links mentioned in the show can be found in the show notes. We want to thank Isaac Turley for his music at the beginning and end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and we'll see you next week on the Retreat House podcast. Thank you.